Welcome to the podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Krista. And you're listening to Practical Prepping Quick Tips. Are you ready for the next natural disaster or one of the little emergencies that life throws your way? Practical Prepping for Everyday People. This book is available from our website, on Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Practical Prepping Quick Tips. Got this tip from our friend Lindsay Turner. Big shout out to Lindsay. She sent an article written by a young lady named Rachel Norman. Rachel Norman has a degree in criminology, and she's very fascinated in the subject of home invasions and intruders. (laughs) Now, that's not a very pleasant subject, I know, and We'd like to think that we live in communities that are safe and have technological advances that, you know, this type of thing isn't going to be bothering us. But the sad fact is, intruders and home invasions happen all the time, all over this country, in the city, in the suburbs, and in the rural areas. So you're going to need to maybe think about this, and particularly moms with children. That's kind of really where I want to focus on this quick tip, talking about what moms need to know in case of intruders. Now, Miss Norman actually shared a couple of real-life examples of two people that she knew personally that shared their intruder story. One, a home invader came into a home with a mom and some children, and this mom was able to pick up a bottle of very acidic facial astringent. If you've ever used some of these facial astringents, you know they can be kind of strong. And in order to save her life and the lives of her children, this mother splashed this facial astringent right into the face of the intruder. And it worked, and it saved them. Another person actually left a large amount of cash in a bank bag on a kitchen counter. The intruder broke in, never did come upstairs where the family was sleeping. But the intruder came in, grabbed the bag of cash that they knew was there, and left. So, yeah, home invasions can happen. So you're going to have to think about that, particularly moms with children. And the first thing you want to think about is that you need to make some kind of a family plan in case of intruders. Now, experts will tell you that two of the most important things that you can have in your home to help defy a home invasion would be a security alarm system and some sort of a large barking dog. Hey, in some cases, even a small barking dog will do the trick. Those two things often reduce your attractiveness to a, an invader that wants to target your house. Miss Norman is not trying to incite paranoia and that sort of thing, but it's just something you need to think about, and you need to have some kind of a plan. If you've got older children, you can be more straightforward with them about what you're talking about. If you've got infants and toddlers, of course, they're not going to understand. But you do need to make a plan, and you need to practice it. Now, before you even discuss anything with your older children, go ahead and make an intruder plan. And Ms. Norman even suggests while you're at it, make a fire escape plan if you don't already have one and then practice those because it's very important to practice and go through those motions because if the emergency does happen, then the mind will know where to go, what to do. You may even want to think up having a code word with your older kids. This code word may be a way to let them know that this is real danger and that they're to comply and be quiet and to follow your lead. You know, you're just going to need to practice some of that. You're going to need to put this plan in the family binder. And from time to time, 
you're going to need to discuss this with some of the older kids. One of the second things you need to do is to choose a safe room and a backup in case there are invaders in your home. Now, the police and other crime-stopping organizations will tell you straight up and in very clear language, if an intruder comes into your home, you should not seek him out. You should remain hidden in a safe room and only engage that intruder if they come to you and force it. So instead of you going to find them, you need to get into your safe room that you can lock from the inside and hopefully stay there and just wait it out. If you have very small children, likely you'll just have one of their rooms as a safe room. You want to gather all your kids into that room and you need to instruct them to be as quiet as possible. Choose a room that may have an escape outlet like a window. Some moms will even keep extra packs of snacks, maybe some water bottles, depending on how long you have to wait something out. Might be 12 hours, might be 18 hours, hopefully not. But you do need to have some kind of a plan to think about being quiet in a safe room, hunkering down for several hours, and having a way of escape if necessary. You know, there's actually folks who are building homes now with a safe room in the construction as part of their family home plan. Kind of a smart idea. Now, the third thing would be to know how you'll call for or how you will get help. So experts will actually tell you it's a great idea to keep your car keys at your bedside. In the event of an intruder, you can push the car key panic button And that generally works from anywhere inside your house. Now, I know a lot of sleep doctors will tell you not to have your cell phone at your bedside, but we're going to say it's a good idea to have your cell phone at your bedside just in case you do need to grab it and quickly call 911. And that's for the old landlines that get cut, although very few people have landlines anymore. Most people have cell phones, and you can call 911 from any cell phone at any time. When you call 911, if you can, leave your phone out and on somewhere hidden, but where it can catch the conversation. If you end up engaging with an intruder and having to defend yourself, 911 dispatchers record all of those calls. You also may have an alarm system, and that trigger will signal a phone call to you. You may want to have a code sentence with your alarm system something kind of innocuous like, uh, no, we're not interested at this time. This way, you can buy a little time if the intruder is still in your house. After you've called 911, you need to remain hidden with your children until the police come. Even if you think the home invaders have left, or even if you think you saw them leave if you're looking out the window, stay in your safe room, quiet and hidden, until the police knock and come in to get you just in case there's another person still in the house. Now, the fourth thing would be to take care of basic precautions. There's a few things you may want to think about. For example, if you put your alarm pad system with all of its lights and dials and digits right up beside the decorative glass of the front door, someone can look through the decorative glass of the door and they can see the current status of your alarm system. Well, that's information you really don't want known. So you may have to rehang your alarm pad 
out of the sight of any visible door window glass or anything like that. Now, Ms. Norman does not want to, again, create paranoia, but it is kind of a reality that sometimes people that come to your home, for example, contractors and builders and workers and things like that, sometimes they may be involved in crime or they may know somebody who is, and that information gets passed along. So just whenever you've had someone in your home that's doing some work there, renovations or painting or what have you, Just make sure you go back through after they have left and make sure all of your doors and windows are locked because sometimes they'll come in and they'll unlock a hidden window somewhere, maybe ground level, that would be easy to get into, including the garage. So make sure that you have all of those doors and windows properly locked, and that will certainly thwart anybody that's got the idea of sneaking back into your house. And get into the habit of asking for proof or being able to call a company. If somebody knocks on your door and they say they're from the roofing company or the power company or what have you, get into the habit of saying, I'm going to call and verify that. Now, an innocent person who's on your front stoop is not going to be offended by that. In fact, they welcome it. They generally want you to know that they're safe and they want you to feel safe. And so if somebody's up to no good, they're going to go. Do not be at all averse to asking for some kind of identification or something before you even open that door so that you can verify who that person is and what their business is on your front stoop. Now, bad case scenario would be you have to engage the intruder. Here's what you don't want to do. Don't yell out, I've called the police from your location because now you've given away your location. And you don't want to do that. That kind of sounds like the dumb girl in the movie. Like, do the dumbest thing possible, and they do that. What happens? They get in trouble. Go to the safe room. Keep your kids there. Keep them quiet. Don't give yourself away. However, if the intruder is coming into that room, and you know it and they know it, say, we've called the police, even if you're by yourself. They don't know who else is all in there, and that might buy you some time. Stay in that safe room is the best idea. But if that intruder does come into that room, try to remain calm and cooperative. Avoid eye contact because that can be viewed as submission. And also don't aggressively confront. Just don't. It's not like in the movies. They're going to move a lot faster than you might move. Now is time to think about escape options. Many sites will actually suggest that you teach older children to escape in the event of an intruder. If your kids are old enough to sneak out and you're willing to help them practice, then have a code word that signals their need to leave and call the police. If you know that you can safely get them out and say run to a neighbor's door or somewhere that you know is going to be safe for them to go. Remember about choosing a safe room that has an escape option, even if it's an upper window. Think about it. If you've got a newborn baby, you're not going to be able to shimmy up and down those columns and posts, even if you've got one of those sling type of carriers. It might be easier for an 11-year-old boy to get down to the ground than you can. If you feel like it's impossible for you to escape, just remain where you are and wait for the police. Next thing to think about, decide how you will arm yourself and know what your state laws are. We're certainly not going to tell you that you have to use firearms, but we have mentioned in other podcasts previously that you may want to think about other forms of defense. A baseball bat, a crowbar, a tire iron, 
of pressing iron even. There's just dozens of things that you could use if you don't want to use a firearm that may at least balk somebody in the head, knock them out so that you can escape. But you need to have something to think about to defend yourself and to defend your children. You need to be very careful about how you hide a gun and the gun's ammo. You need to think about how you would access a gun and ammo in the event of this kind of emergency. You've got to take safety precautions. You cannot leave guns unlocked and you can't leave ammo unlocked. Your children will find it. And don't delude yourself to think that they won't. They will. Kids are curious little monkeys and they're going to open every drawer and every door and every closet and every safe that they can, particularly if you leave it unlocked. Kids will open stuff. They will. That's how accidental shootings happen so often. Yeah, it was in a drawer. Yeah, it was high up, but it wasn't locked away. So you do have to kind of think about that sort of thing. You've got to think about how you're going to defend your children. Know what the laws in your state are when it comes to legal self-defense. You need to understand in three categories, the stand-your-ground laws, the castle doctrine, and the duty to retreat. You can Google these laws in your state. You put in the name of your state, like, say, Alabama, and then self-defense laws, and it will detail for you everything you'll need to know. Okay, I'm going to do a home intruder preparedness recap for you very quickly. One, create an intruder plan. Two, explain and then practice this plan with your family. Three, teach rules about letting in strangers or answering doors. You know, that's a big one. That was a big one in my house. My mom and dad had six of us kids, and my dad was away all day long working, and my mom was at home, and particularly during the summer, all six of us kids would be at home. And if that doorbell rang... My mother couldn't move as quick as we could, and we got to that door. There's no telling how many times we swung the door open to who knows what. And my mother had to teach us very carefully, you don't just go to the door and open it. You just don't. So that's very important. If you sense there's an intruder, go to the safe room with your kids and remain quiet. Also, call the police and leave your phone on. With small children, the best course of action will nearly always be to remain in a safe room in the opposite corner of the door so you can monitor the situation. And the last but not least, only use force if you feel your life and the lives of your children are being threatened. This is what moms need to know in the event of an intruder in the house. I hope it never happens. I hope it truly never happens to you or me. But in the event that it does, have a plan Act on the plan. Stay safe because stuff does happen. You need to stay prepared. Hey, we'll see you next time.